it's Mental Health Awareness Month, and no more is mental health awareness needed than right now. It's also Bell Let's Talk this week, and let's all end the stigma by participating. Mortgage Magnates, MM University, and the BHB Brokers Helping Brokers podcast will participate in Bell Let's Talk all week long. We also have a very special guest joining us today on the podcast who has also participated in Bell Let's Talk every single year. He even used this platform to share his own story, which we'll share with you today. Mental health awareness is extremely important, and Scott MacArthur is no exception to the rule. He ended the stigma of his own story and will share that with us today. If you're not familiar with Scott MacArthur, Scott is from Rogers Sportsnet. He's on Sportsnet 590, hosting the leadoff with Ziggy and Scotty Mack. He also used to be with TSN, and he was a Blue Jays reporter and even hosted Jays Talk for a time. Today, he joins us to share his story, as well as his thoughts on mental health awareness and what you can do to share your story and end the stigma. Let's go. Welcome to the Brokers Helping Brokers podcast. This week, as we said, is Bell Let's Talk Week and Mental Health Awareness Month. And Mortgage Magnates and MM University, as well as the BHB podcast, is excited to participate in this and end the stigma around mental health. Joining me now is Dave Tanner. As always, Dave, how was your week, sir? Uh, it's been a whirlwind last couple of weeks. Um, you know, us working closely together, obviously, it's uh, since our announcement of free for the industry uh, in 2021, Mortgage Magnates has blown up and it's been uh, it's been a hell of a ride to, to keep up with everything but and, and manage everything. But we're uh, we're doing it. So it's uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it has. And, and you know what? Thank you to our members for that and uh, all of our new members, too, which, uh, you know, when you when you see the. <laughs> In the graph in the background, that membership's up three thousand uh, percent. It's kind of a nice thing to see, and and uh, and it means people are committed to their lifelong learning, which is awesome. So uh, we're excited to see that, and we're even more excited today to have a very very special guest who, uh, as as you know him very well from sports and background and everything like that, uh, Scott MacArthur from Sportsnet five ninety, the fan. He's the host of um, the leadoff with Ziggy and Scotty Mac in the mornings, and uh, we've also heard him on Blue Jays Talk. We've seen him on TSN as a reporter for the Blue Jays as well. Um, so he, but he is more importantly, a huge, huge advocate of mental health awareness and, uh, and has used his platform and his uh, public personality to, to advocate for Bell Let's Talk Day in the past um, and even used it to share his own story, which we're going to play for you shortly. Um, Dave, what, what are your thoughts on A, uh, mental health awareness and B, uh, having such a great guest here today? Well, it's exciting to have Scott join us. That's for sure. Looking forward to that. Um, obviously, mental health is uh, there. There is still just a little bit of stigma around it. Um, you know, we can do our little bit to to push the agenda forward. Um, you know, it's it's a, a small part, but it's our part, I think. And uh, you know, the the brain is like the liver. If you had a liver problem, you'd you'd talk about it, get it fixed all that stuff, but there still seems to be some stigma about mental health. And, and I mean, a lot of people make that analogy, you know, it's, it's another organ that can break down a little bit. And, uh, but yeah, there is a little bit of stigma still surrounding it, like I say, and, and, you know, to, to talk about it is, is I think the best thing you can do. And like I said, we're doing our little push forward and uh, very excited to have Scott with us here. Um, we've come a long way with mental health, I believe, uh, a, a hell of a long way, but we've got uh, work to do yet. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think too, in, in industries like ours, you know, where there's, there's kind of that almost bravado toughness to it. Uh, it's sometimes tough to, to have that conversation. I think a lot of that, as you said, Dave is, has changed over the years, uh, especially in recent years, which is great. But uh, I think when we hear Scott's story, which we'll play for you shortly and then have Scott on um, is it really is a, a similar situation to what you may experience in our industry. And that's not a bad thing. It is a bad 
thing, but it's not, it's not saying bad things about our industry. It's, it's about change. It's about ending that stigma, as you said. And uh, um, so I think, you know, having Scott here to talk about his story and what he went through in that story um, in his industry you know, is, is something for everybody to take a little bit from. And if you're experiencing anything, uh, talk to somebody, you know, it, it, it's, it's okay to not be okay. Right. And I think that's, um, I think that's the main message of today. Yeah, that's exactly right. It is okay to, to not be okay. Everybody uh, needs a little help once in a while. And, and uh, we have to take away the um, persona or, or the perception of, of it's not all right to talk about it. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what we want to do for you right now is we are going to play Scott's story. Scott made a YouTube video uh, a couple of years ago sharing his mental health awareness story and an announcement personally that was very hard for him to make, but at the same time he knew he had to make. So let's play that for you now and then we'll welcome Scott. Well, I've posted this to my social media today um, because I I have something that I've wanted to say for a very long time. And I've had too many good news directors in my life back in my news radio days who would be upset if I buried the lead. So I'm going to say what I need to say and then I'll follow up uh, with a bit of an explanation. Um, this video is my opportunity to share with you my truth. and. Um, that is that I'm gay. I'm a gay man. And I have lived uh, burdened by this secret for a very long time. And if you're watching this video, you may be asking why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to alleviate or in an attempt to alleviate my pain. I've lived with this for a long time. I've been secretive about this for a long time. There have been people in my life who've known for a number of years now and have very kindly kept my secret at my request. Um, there are a lot of people close to me who have found out as recently as within the last few weeks. I've gone on a, on a bit of a blitz because I've wanted them to hear it from me rather than seeing it on this video. But I've been proudest in my career of two shows that I've done. The Bell Let's Talk Day shows on the final Wednesday of January in 2017 and 2018, where I opened up about my struggles through the years with mental health challenges and given some very specific examples of things that happened as I went through those very tough periods of time. And I brought those to you authentically. But I knew even as I was doing it that I was stopping just a little bit short. I was leaving out a key detail. I was leaving out a key reason. And again, that is that I'm gay. And if you're watching this and you're going through um, a tough time. You could be 12 years old, you could be 15, you could be 20, you could be my age, 40, you could be 60, you could be 80, you could be 100, you could be anywhere in between. If you're questioning, if you're living in silence, if you're doing what I have done for so long and living split lives where you're someone fully in your truth in one aspect of your life and you're another person micromanaging part truths and large falsehoods in other areas of your life, you may very well be exhausted, may very well be tired. And I'm hoping that this encourages you to speak up if you, if you feel that you can and you feel that you need to. I'm here to tell you that I understand the self-hatred that I understand the self-loathing, that if you've been to a place where you don't want to live anymore, if you're living in that place right now, I'm here to tell you that I have been there. And I'm here to tell you 
that I was there as recently as two and a half, three weeks ago. But a couple things happened the week of June the 24th. On Monday, June 24th, somebody who I have never met by the name of A.J. Andrews from the Jays from the Couch blog posted a piece on that blog announcing that she is a transgendered woman. We corresponded, and a few days later I asked her what the response had been like, and she told me it had been wonderful and it had been freeing. My best gay platonic friend, Kenneth, was in town visiting from Calgary. He was here for pride. He was here to help celebrate my 40th birthday, which happened that week. And we spent the day together on Thursday, June the 27th, and it culminated with a long conversation in my condo that night where we each asked each other, are you happy in your life? And my answer was no. And he said to me, you need to step up. You need to step up for yourself. You need to get real. It's time. The only way you're going to feel whole is to share your truth. And so thank you to AJ and to Kenneth for encouraging me to do this. I also, and I don't want this video to be too long, but, but there's a couple things I want to say. I want to apologize to anybody I've hurt. I want to apologize to women I've dated who had no idea that I wasn't all in. I'm sorry for the pain that I caused you. I've had two long-term boyfriends, and you know, it's really hard to tell them that they matter in your life when you want to hide that relationship better than 50% of the time. And I'm sorry for the pain that I caused you as we were going through our relationship and dealing with those, those very difficult truths. I'm a radio guy, so I have a, a tendency to ramble, so I better stop here soon. If you're still watching, thank you. Thank you for staying with me through this video. And I want to say that I am sitting before you today as a gay man who is a proud gay man. I am someone who is proud of my nature. I will not be a different radio host if you've enjoyed my work than the one that you have heard. I'm not going to change. But I will advocate for my nature and I will advocate for and empathize with people in pain because the message is I'm gay, I'm proud of it, and I understand. So thank you for sitting with me here this afternoon and I look forward to what's ahead. Welcome, Scott MacArthur. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm great, Chris. Dave, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, we're thrilled to have you here. And uh, and for our viewers, I mean, a lot of them would know you. Obviously, you're the host of the leadoff on uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan with Ziggy. Uh, but uh, and and obviously, you've had a lot of Blue Jays experience and, and TSN experience and everything. But a lot of experience with Bell Let's Talk, which, of course, is our main topic today. But for the viewers that don't know you, um, could you give us a little bit of your background and even a, a bit of background with your history with Bell Let's Talk? Yeah, uh, I was born uh, in Oakville, so born and raised in Oakville, uh, born in 79. Um, shout out to any Oakville Trafalgar High School grad uh, who may be listening at any point, uh, OT. Uh, I moved up to uh, Ottawa uh, for my post-secondary schooling, uh, landed a job there and worked at a couple of radio stations and did some volunteer work at the Rogers Community TV station in that city. Um, for more than a decade. And then I moved home in April of 2011 uh, to help launch TSN 1050. So it's almost 10 years old. If you 
or listener to that radio station, it may be hard to believe. And I was at TSN 1050, TSN, TSN 1050 until January of 2019. And it was a little more than two years ago that I made the switch over to Rogers owned Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan. So my my history, I guess, with, with Bell Let's Talk uh, was framed around the radio show that I used to host on TSN 1050, um, the Scott MacArthur show. And I, you know, had a very consequential year, um, which perhaps we'll get into a little bit later on, but for the sake of brevity, brevity now I'll skip over it just a little bit, but I had a very consequential year in 2015. And I was covering the Blue Jays at the time, which I continued to do through to the end of 2016. So now I've got this show in 2017 and I'm sitting down with my producer uh, the morning of the Bell Let's Talk Day show before years ago now in January of 2017. And he was saying, well, how do you want to handle this? And I still had some pretty significant scars from 2015. And I remember being somewhat uh, intransigent, indignant in our pre-show discussion. I said, well, um, I am not going on the air and reading the liners and letting this just be a corporatized day. We're either going to talk about this and get real about it, or we're not. It's that black and white to me. And ended up going on the air. And I think I made an initial comment off the, the start of the show, but it really didn't go anywhere. However, the pivotal moment, and I believe Bell Let's Talk Day was a Wednesday in 2017. The pivotal moment came when Gino Retta, who was a guest at three o'clock Eastern time, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at that time on my show, Gino Retta pops into studio and I sort of opened the floor for him. I talked a little bit about some stuff in the first two hours of my program, but I opened the floor for him and said, is there anything you want to say around this day? And whatever it was he said, it triggered something in me and I played off of that. And before I knew it, Gino, consummate pro veteran guy, had flipped the script and started interviewing me about some of my life's experiences. And we went way over. Like we needed to be in commercial break at 318. We were still going at 330. And my producer was in my ear saying, keep going. Don't cut this off. It's too important. And it was on that day that I decided to open up my direct messages, my DMs on Twitter and invite anybody to reach out. And if I didn't have dozens, maybe more than a hundred DMs by the end of the day, um, it was, it was quite an experience, quite a moving experience. And I followed up a year later, um, which was my, turns out my last Bell Let's Talk Day show as an employee of TSN, because by Bell Let's Talk Day 2019, I had moved on to Rogers. But in 2018, I thought, well, I told a bit of my story last year. I need to make it clear to people that depression is often more than, well, you know, sometimes I struggle to get out of bed and I don't feel so great. Okay, well, let's do a bit of a deeper dive into some of the reasons um, and some of the actual lived experiences that I had. And that garnered a lot of reaction. And um, that's, I, I don't want to say it's what I became known for, but it certainly was a proud moment. It was liberating for me to get some things off my chest, to, to be open, to be authentic, to connect with my listener in a, in a different way. And, and it also opened up the opportunity through direct messages and text conversations to have deeper conversations with individual people about what we go through. That's incredible. Yeah, that's a, that, that is quite a story. And, and further to that, Scott, we know you're a huge advocate for uh, mental wellness. And, and like you described, it's not just, you know, depression's not just being down, having, having trouble getting out of bed, not feeling great, like you said. Um, but let's, let's dive in if we could a little deeper into your story. You sort of described how the story came out, but can you, can you, jump into that story with both feet sort of, uh, sort of for us. Um, 
so the truth is, is I'm gay. Um, and I announced that publicly in July of 2019. Uh, my parents had known since 2015. And then a variety of consequential people in my life, be they family, uh, friends, colleagues, came to find out in the intervening period between July of 2015 when I told my parents and July of 2019 when I put out the video. Uh, contrary to, I don't want to say popular belief, but based on some of the reaction I got, contrary to the belief of some, I did not come out publicly to monetize my sexuality, my sexual orientation. I did not do it to seek attention. Um, I did it because between 2015 and 2019, I had had two long-term boyfriends and I was open and out in not all, but most of my private life. And I absolutely was not out publicly. And coming off of the Blue Jays successes in 2015 and 2016, I would joke with people that I'm not famous in Toronto, but I'm also not not famous. So there would be the odd time on the streets or wherever I was, grocery store, whatever, where somebody would notice me. And when I was and, and come up and say hi, and it was always nice. But I always had that planted in the back of my mind when I was out with my boyfriend. We walk into a restaurant on Queen West. If there's one person in that entire restaurant who happens to recognize me and sees me holding another man's hand, what if that person takes to Twitter, tweets it out, you won't believe what I just saw, da 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 Now, what is the percentage likelihood of that actually occurring? it's extremely, extremely low, but it's greater than zero. And for me, it was protect at all costs. Don't even allow for the low percentage play to, to steal your narrative. Don't allow for anything to potentially happen that will, will leave you without control of your own situation. So to dial it back further, I, I come out, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. It's liberating. Um, it creates a whole other set of challenges. It's almost as if a 40, 41 year old man suddenly realizes, oh, geez, um, well, this is great and all, except I've been emotionally shut down since I was 15. So now I've actually got to understand how to feel um, and feel real things like love for another person um, that isn't scripted in my mind, um, for example. Um, so I've had to deal with a lot since coming out. But to take you back, being uh, born and raised in Oakville, I would say that there was no, I used to say there was no homophobia because there was no known homosexuality. I have since amended my view with the help of my boyfriend that there was no homosexuality known in Oakville precisely because there was homophobia. And one of the things in, in talking to Xander about all my life and situations, if, if you're a GTA person and you're about our vintage or a little older, you will remember potentially that in the summer of 1993 in, at the West End Park in Oakville, Shell Park, there was a bust. Uh, police entrapped um, a number of gay men. There had been rumblings that gay men were getting together in the public washrooms of Shell Park and having sex, group sex. Uh, the federal government in 1993 changed a law about entrapping people with the use of CCTV or closed circuit cameras and what have you. Two days before that law came into passage, Halton police set up a bunch of cameras in those washrooms and stormed an orgy. And those men were arrested. Most were not named and paid a $400 fine and that was it. One of the men who was caught uh, had AIDS. Now keep in mind, this is 1993. So you gotta put that into context when we use the term AIDS. It's viewed di very differently now. It is treated very differently now, both in terms of stigma and how it is treated than it was then. Uh, that individual uh, ended up dying by suicide um, because he was named and the shame overtook him. Some of these men were married and 
there were debates in the local papers and publications about whether these men should be publicly outed or at the very least, their, typically their wives or partners informed that they had engaged in an orgy with someone who was HIV positive, AIDS positive. And so I can only imagine what that would have been like. Now, I'm 14 years old, about to enter high school. I don't recall that incident or reading of that incident affecting me too much at the time. But in looking back, what it taught me was having no known uh, gay figure, queer figure in my life, what it taught me was that people like me do that. And subconsciously, I came to believe that I was incapable of forming a healthy partnership like my parents had and have, like my friend's parents, most of them had and most of them have. I had a bunch of great heterosexual examples in my life from my parents to my grandparents to my friend's parents to my hockey teammates' parents, all of this. I didn't know anybody who was like me. I also didn't really know who or what I was at that point. And so it served initially to suppress my natural feelings. And I went through high school pulling away from friends groups or migrating through different friends groups in order to not get known too well, because if somebody gets to know you too well, they might figure out your secret, right? You know, if, if you're not hanging around with enough people often enough, they're probably not going to know you enough to wonder why it is that you kind of don't really have a girlfriend or you do, but it's always a brief period of time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And at that stage in my life, the most impressionable time of my life, and I would advance that through my adolescence, um, not my adolescence, just my adolescence, but my young adult years, I developed all of these coping mechanisms and habits that, that suppressed who I was. It didn't mean that I wasn't acting on my uh, sexual needs all the time, but in terms of letting people know the real me, there was no chance of that. I was suppressing everything. And so that created habits. I um, took on a variety of efforts to try to cover who I was, hoping that one of them would work out. One, um, and when I say this, it almost sounds like I was plotting and maybe I was, but I swear to you it was with the best of intentions because I was literally hoping to change my nature. I found religion. And through the church, I found a girl who I dated who turned out to be my fiance, and then we got married and she became my wife. And the first real mental health collapse I had was on Canadian Thanksgiving weekend of 2008 when I disappeared. We had what I would describe as a completely innocuous argument. In fact, argument is probably too large a word. But I just felt myself collapsing inside. I went and packed a duffel bag full of clothes. I was living in Ottawa. And I drove westward out toward the Ottawa Senators Arena because I was two jobs. I was reading the afternoon news on the news radio station, and I was hosting the post-game call-in show after Ottawa Senators games on our sports talk radio station, which is now TSN 1200, but at the time was Team 1200 in Ottawa. It was a Sunday, and I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to go book a hotel room near what was then Scotiabank Place, now Canadian Tire Center. I'll decompress for the night. I'll wake up. I'll go to Sens practice. I'll drive back downtown, read my news shift on the news station, and I'll go home back to my wife on, on Monday evening. But if you're familiar with Ottawa, when you drive westbound out of the downtown through Nepean, you're presented with an option. Stay straight on the 417 westbound to Kanata or twirl south on the 416 south toward Kempville and eventually the 401. Well, I, with the intention of going to Kanata, hit what they call the split split of the highway, and I veered south. And before I knew it, four hours later, I was in Toronto. Nobody knew I was in Toronto. I hadn't informed work. I hadn't informed my parents. I ended up staying at a hotel in Oakville for four consecutive nights during which I lay in bed, did not eat, only drank water, and lost about 10 pounds, hoping to die. I didn't do anything that would have led to suicide. I didn't overdose on pills. I didn't do any. I was just lying there hoping that I would rot away. And um, needless to say, uh, went, ended up coming out of that because four days into my disappearance, 
They tracked my credit card and knew I was at this hotel and two police officers show up at my hotel room door. The next morning I reconnected with my parents. That was emotional. Next day after that, I'm back in Ottawa reconnecting with my wife. We were together another 15 months before um, things just for obvious reasons now, uh, no fault of her own, uh, fell apart. And so I guess my message is long-winded with a bit of the backtrack on my story there is when we are living outside of our own authenticity, when we are being disingenuous, we cannot thrive. And in some cases, we cannot survive. So whoever you are, it's okay. Now, you can't be a deviant. You can't be breaking laws. Sex must be consensual. All, all of the, the clear demarcation points are obvious and need not be stated, but I put them out. But who you are is okay. And it took me a quarter century an adolescence and a young adulthood that I will never get back. And don't think I haven't had to work on forgiving myself for that. It has taken me 25 years to figure out that it's okay. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. That is, uh, it's an incredible story and, and a lot of years where you, you know, were, were not able to be the person you, you knew you were. And that's, uh, you know, for anybody who's watching this, they should know that it is okay, as you've said. And, um, you know, even if it has been a long time, and I think, you know, with your story of how long it's been, I'm sure there's people watching going, geez, you know, he it's the same thing. Like it sounds so familiar. Right. So, um, so that's, that's, an incredibly lengthy but awesome story um, because it shares exactly where you came from and where you are now. Um, and knowing that and knowing that your industry um, and, and other industries and, and other walks of life aren't always as welcoming uh, to these types of stories, haven't been in the past, maybe aren't today. Hopefully they're more progressive than they used to be. But tell us a little bit about the reaction. So we have the story. Um, you, you put out your video. We've seen the video on this podcast. What was the reaction when both in your industry and in your, your personal life? Well, for, from people I know, so family, friends, colleagues, whatever, I'm, I'm batting a thousand. Uh, as far as I know, I mean, anything that's ever been said to me um, has been lovely and wonderful. And I, to my knowledge, have not come across a person who's refused to work with me or deal with me whatever the case may be. Online, I, I would say it's got to be at least 90%, probably 95% positive. Um, you know, you get the odd comment. Um, and, and based on those comments, you try to deduce to the extent that you pay any attention to it, if it's from somebody you don't know, whether that individual is ill-intended or whether that individual is blissfully ignorant and just doesn't quite get it. I guess my message on that would be two things. If you don't know a queer person, and by that I mean a gay man and or a lesbian and or a transgender individual and or somebody anywhere on the queer spectrum, then really what you're telling me is you just, you don't know that you actually do know somebody. You do know somebody. You don't necessarily know because they haven't told you. And there could be a variety of reasons for that. They're working through it themselves, trying to reconcile it. They may not consider you, this one hurts a little more. They may not consider you a safe person in which to confide. I was, I was at an event at the University of Toronto in November of 2019, and uh, very kindly, Massey College had asked me to come and be a part of a, a, a Pride Night event that they were holding, and I was talking to a, a transgender man who was in year two of an eight-year postgraduate science program that eventually was going to make him effectively a rocket scientist, uh, an astrophysicist, a this or that, the, like, like I just put words together. But this person, this, this, this young man was brilliant. And he was telling me that science is not all that welcoming 
an area. And I thought, well, that's weird because ignorant me would think you got a bunch of biologists who understand that people are different. You got a bunch of scientists, but scientists should surely to goodness would understand that people are all made differently. That's, that's sort of the science of it. But I guess I, I was ignorant to that. We need to work on stuff in our lives. I, I, had, I, I came out, I had to be brave enough uh, to do that. And I don't want pats on the back for it, by the way, because I, when I say I had to be brave enough, I felt like a coward for 25 years. So I had to build up to a point where I could actually share this publicly. The other thing is, is I'm a grown ass man. I'm 41 and a half years old. I have a responsibility to deal with the problems and issues uh, lived and experienced throughout my life that have made me uh, struggle in areas that I wish I didn't struggle so badly in. Life is a constant process of working on stuff. So my challenge is if you hold opinions that gay men, lesbian women, anybody who's on the queer spectrum, if you hold the ingrained view that these people are somehow less worthy, are lower on the pecking order, don't deserve the same opportunities in life as you do because you happen to be born heterosexual and predominantly male, um, I, I would just challenge you, uh, and I, I say this with no judgment, even though I'm speaking sternly and directly, I am telling you that you have unaddressed issue and unaddressed trauma in your life, that you, like me, with my trauma, have a responsibility to fix. Whatever it is that is blocking you from being compassionate, caring, and accepting of other people is, is something that needs to be addressed in order that society become a more caring and compassionate place. Yeah, that's, that's, you know what, um, as you spoke, I thought of something that, um, I lost my wife to cancer in, in 2016, uh, totally different things. Thanks. To totally different things go on in your mind. Um, and I related what you were saying to my, myself in that you don't necessarily, I, I always used to say, you don't necessarily get to choose the cards you're dealt, but it's in your damned best interest to play the hell out of the ones you did get. And I think, you know, to put it in its simplest forms, that's sort of what you were doing by owning it yourself. And I, I think that's absolutely incredibly important. And, uh, and I commend you for that. Um, and I, I would just share with you, Dave. Um, and I don't think my boyfriend Xander would mind me saying um, he is a widow. And he lost his husband at the age of 27 in a traffic accident. Um, and, and so he's 35 going on 36 now, but it, it sounds like you and him would share some similarities in terms of working through some of the worst kinds of grief that, that one would imagine. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not a, it's not really a mental illness. It's a, it's a, it, it's compartmentalized a little differently, but it certainly, it affects you. And, you know, there was, there was times when, uh, when I did need therapy and I got it and, and it was the best thing for me. It just felt like tons of weight lifted off the shoulders, but you know, um, and I appreciate you sharing, sharing that for sure. Um, get back to your story a little bit here. Um, were there any surprises, you know, you, you were 25 years struggling with your, you know, uh, on, on what to do and how best to approach this. Any surprises when you did make that leap positive or negative? Well, I mean, it, it, it may sound a little negative, but, but I think it, it turns out to be a, a positive. I'll, I'll tell a personal story. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about working through things. And um, one of the tendencies, uh, I'm so fortunate to have a boyfriend who is highly emotionally intelligent uh, because he stays with me when I teeter a little bit. And the one thing that I... I think I have less a tendency to do now that we've been together for about a year and work through some things, but I certainly had a more of a tendency to do in the earlier days was that I, I would pull away and I almost wouldn't notice that I was doing it. And I want to say it was June. I mean, it was a warm night last summer 
And, you know, he pushed me a little bit on the pulling away part. And it's funny, sometimes I need two or three nights to think about something. Um, sometimes I'm worked up and I need to chill out and come back to it in 10 or 15 minutes or whatever. And I thought it hit me what it was. And then I, I spent like a minute negotiating in my own mind as we were talking about whether I wanted to share this with him because somebody hears this, are they going to want to they gonna see me differently? Are they going to want to spend any time? And I said, uh, I said, you want to know, and I, <laughs> he'll laugh because he's definitely going to watch this or listen to it, but he'll, he'll laugh. I can be very direct. I said, you want to know what's bothering me? You, you, you want to know what's at the core of all of this? I didn't get invited to this party. I didn't, I'm like everybody else who's ever existed. I didn't ask to be born. But I came into this world and either consciously or subconsciously or a combination of both, it was made clear to me that how I am is not how I am supposed to be. And I have wasted my youth pretending to be someone else. I've wasted my youth lying with good intention, but I've wasted my young adulthood lying. I resent the existence I've had. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it, but I've had it and I'm pissed off about it. And not only did he not run a million miles an hour in the opposite direction, like I feared he would, it actually strengthened our relationship. And as he said, you know, mold thrives in darkness. And he said, you had a moldy concoction the size of a softball sitting right in the core of your soul. And you reached in, you ripped it out, you stuck it on the kitchen table and you let the sunlight come in through the window and burn it because mold don't live in light. So, you know, it's those sorts of, those sorts of areas of growth, I guess, that have been rewarding. They start negative and then they develop into something positive because I think we can, we can grow from our experiences, good or bad. You know, on a more lighthearted note, some of the, some of the people that I was able to speak to before I put the video out, um, John Gibbons and I had a wonderful conversation. I covered him for years um, when I covered the Jays and he was their manager. Uh, he, he was incredibly supportive and, Blue Jays fans will know Gibby, the, yeah, the Texas Republic. <laughs> well, no. Um, far, far, uh, we always teased him about being dumb as a fox, that he was right up there being the smartest guy in the room, but he loved to play off the fact he was dumb. Um, he, he asked me, you know, we, we had a back and forth on the phone. He was down in, in Texas. And I think I called him like five days before the video came out. So it was July of 2019. And of anybody I told, he came up with the greatest question. And he said, he, so we'd been talking for about 20 minutes. He goes, uh, let me ask you something. And I said, sure. He goes, you know, and this was a lovely comment that he made to me and I appreciate it. But he said, you know what? Uh, you know, I always, you know, I always liked it when you came into my office and we just shoot the breeze. You'd ask about my family and you know how I was doing and this and that. He said, "I always viewed you as a guy who, who cared about others." So let me ask you: Did you, did you inquire about me and ask about others and think of others because you were trying to understand me, hoping that you, eventually, would be understood? And I was like, Plato, Socrates, Gibbons, <laughs> right? The great philosophers of our time. And uh, it was all, I was very, uh, you know, I was, I was emotional when I hung up. I'm too proud to cry in front of John Gibbons or on the phone with John Gibbons, but I was emotional. That question uh, hit me right in the gut. I thought it was absolutely profound and hit me right. Um, essentially in my truth, which is all I ever wanted to be was understood. And I think that that's why 
Um, aside from the fact that I've loved broadcasting since I was eight, I think the microphone gave me cover. It was always easier to talk to hundreds or thousands of people and not see a single face than it was to have a one-on-one -on -one, uh, or three-person or four-person conversation in a small group. Uh, because, of course, when you do that, you're far more at risk of having to re reveal things about yourself. And when I was in positions of having to reveal things about myself, I had to lie or cover up. Lie by omission, lie outright, or cover up. So for a lot of years, yeah, all I ever wanted to be was understood, but I also knew I never would be understood unless I gave myself the chance to be understood, and that would be by coming out. Um, well, that is, uh, you know, that's, uh, first of all, Spot on impression of Gibby. <laughs> I was just going to say that, Chris. I was going to interrupt you and say he does a hell of a Gibby. <laughs> That's a great impression of Gibby. <laughs> you just you left out the finger pistols. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to get the head shake going. Yeah, that's right. The wink. The wink. Yeah, yeah the wink. That's right. Exactly. Um, Scott, your your story is is uh, one of strength. It's it's one of pride. It's one of self acceptance. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that have watched to this point in this podcast and be really moved by everything that you have said. Um, what do you say to that person who doesn't? Who's probably who may be in fact experiencing something similar? Hasn't come out or done anything yet? Um, how? What, what do you say to the person who's not sure what to do moving forward? Um, the answer to that question is harder than you might think because there's no blanket piece of advice. Like we could dig deeper and say, okay, am I speaking to a person who feels like they come from a healthy, functioning and loving family unit? Or am I speaking to a person who absolutely knows for whatever reason or reasons that their parents and their siblings would never accept them for who they are? So there's no blanket piece of advice on, on how to go about this um, other than on that particular front to say, you need to do this safely, but I'm not here to argue or debate or discuss what may or may not happen to us after we die. I know that some people believe in reincarnation, but if you believe in reincarnation, you probably believe that we are reincarnated beings as we are now. So you tell me, do you remember anything if you believe in reincarnation of your previous lives? If I'm reincarnated, I certainly don't. So I can't be guaranteed that in my next life, if we're to be reincarnated, I'll remember anything about this one. So as far as I'm concerned, we're here. This is the life that we have. This is the life that we live. And you got one shot. You got one shot. And I'm not preaching from an ivory tower. I'll remind you, I'm preaching as a 25-year closet case of some varying degree um, that we've got to maximize our opportunity to thrive and you can survive, you can exist, but you can't truly live being disingenuous. And wherever it is that you feel you can go to find that support, um, whether it's a therapist, and I, I've got a therapist I see consistently, uh, more frequently when things aren't going so well, less frequently, but still monthly, maybe twice monthly when things are going well, because I think it's best for her to see me um, in, all, in all ways. And when things are bad, she's seen me well, and she's got a better picture of me. So I think, I think whether it's therapy, confiding in, in somebody you, you do trust, surely to goodness, we all have, we all have somebody, I hope. Um, put yourself in a position um, to live an authentic life, give yourself the best chance to live a life that, that you can enjoy. And that doesn't mean that there isn't daily stress. That doesn't mean that problems don't come up, but I'm talking more about dealing with the, the root challenges that, that you as a queer individual face, you are who you are. 
The people who say you can change this, the people who preach conversion therapy, the people who want to tell you you're going to hell, we're not living to convince anybody. Like, believe what you want, quite honestly. Um, but we need to live and we need to allow ourselves to live. And when we do that, we contribute positively to society. And the more of us who do that, I, I don't think this story is specifically for queer people. It, it's for anybody who's dealing with any deep rooted secret and or shame. Shame is such a huge, fear and shame are morale killers, physiologically and psychologically. Whatever it is, let's get to the core of our individual shame with no shame in doing so. I mean, we got to take a bullhorn and announce it to the world. But like, let's all deal with our individual shame and, and push through it. Don't get over it. Don't overcome it. But push through it. And that way we'll come to peace with it. It might soften all of our hearts and create a more forgiving society. I will say to any queer person who who needs somebody in which to, in, in whom to confide at Scotty with a Y at Scotty Mac thinks on Twitter, the DMS are always open and they are fully and completely confidential. Um, and, and I can't necessarily, um, you know, offer anything more than my support and perhaps a resource to get you down the right path, whether it's therapy or what have you. But if you need a sounding board that, you know, I, I put my hand up and I volunteer. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic, Scott. And, and building on that, but sort of turning it just a little bit um, without obviously naming names or anything. Uh, anybody that's truly inspired you with a, a similar story or, or some, something that you've seen that's, that's been really expire, inspiring to you. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think, I think, the work that Brock McGillis does, um, and he's been very open about, about his life. Um, an OHL goaltender in the early 2000s uh, was certainly on NHL teams' radars, uh, but was closeted and was drinking too much and was depressed and wanted to die. Uh, didn't end up playing in the NHL, played a slight bit of pro over in, in Europe. Um, and then effectively his hockey career ended and he came home and he, he knew he had to get real about who he was. He, he has a terrific story. He's very active, uh, more so than I am on social media. So I, I encourage, uh, someone to look out, uh, for, for his content, uh, Harrison Brown, uh, transgender male he used to play in the national women's hockey league. Uh, he is blazing a trail. Uh, does a little bit of acting work, does advocacy, uh, does speaking. Um, just an incredible story. There, there are so many. Anastasia uh, Busis, Canadian Olympic uh, Olympian in 2014, came out prior uh, to going over to Sochi because she was so, came out as lesbian. She was so put off uh, by Vladimir Putin and uh, the Russian government's um, uh, truly evil uh, stance on LGBTQ plus people, uh, that she wanted to take a stand and make herself known in advance of that. So those are, those are three examples of people who inspire me. My boyfriend, Xander, um, who is in the Canadian military, uh, who is a widow who has worked through the very worst of his grief, but will continue to work through grief for the rest of his life for the loss of, of, of his first true love. Um, he inspires me. Um, and even, you know, there's so many, all you heterosexual people who've been so kind, you know, like, I, I think, I think people want to know. I think, I think, I think people want to know how they can help. And a lot of well-intended people don't really know how to help. So when a, when a straight person DMs me and offers me kind support, typically what I say is, is you have proven to me simply by taking the time to write me a note that you are well positioned to be an ally to any queer person who comes into your life or who is already in your life and makes themselves known to you as a, as a queer person. 
And all I would ask you to do is to love them and to support them in the very same ways as you always did and to be aware of some of the challenges and situations that they may find themselves in and, and be somebody, be a rock, be a support, be someone that they know they can reach out to um, for good support or for support through bad times, whatever the case may be. So, so many people have been wonderful through this. And I, I, I just think it's, I just think whatever, if you're someone who's got some blocks up, uh, who, who, who sees people who aren't the same as you as, as less or weird or strange, um, think about why you've got those blocks and, and then take the time um, to, to challenge yourself and work through them. And I think, um, I think we'll find a happier and more peaceful and, and, and productive collective. That's a great answer. And, um, you know, uh, kind of along those same lines, we, we've talked about the people who haven't had the chance to, to share their story yet, whether it's a queer story, whether it's mental health story, whatever it is. We haven't talked necessarily about the people that did share the story like you did and maybe didn't receive that 92% positive reaction. Mm-hmm. So, what do you say to that person watching this going, wow, I experienced something different. You know, everybody's negative toward me or whatever. And hopefully they're not. But if there are those watching or listening that have had that experience, what would you say as far as, um, you know, kind of motivating them to keep going, uh, but also, you know, where they can get supports, things like that? Well, I, I would first say I'm sorry. Um, and while these may just be words, uh, I do feel that they are truthful. Um, if you have not been accepted by someone or a large group of people in your life, that is not a reflection of you. Um, you are living your truth and, and you are being really strong in doing so. And, and I'll just flip the script back to someone who may be judgmental of queer people. Um, it's not a weakness. It requires so much more strength to be queer because of these sorts of situations. So, you know, I've had a couple of DMs, um, I think well-intended, but quite ignorant, um, saying to me, well, at least you're not one of those types who prances around and does all this. And I always write back and I say, you know, they're the toughest people you'll ever meet. Think about what they went through in middle school and high school. Think about what they go through now as they try to find their footing and fit in a society that speaks of them the way you just spoke to me about them. They're tougher than you'll ever know. And if you've got one of them in your life, you're blessed and fortunate because you got a rock. You got a person who's been through a ton. And, and, and so there is, um, there's a strength in being honest. Uh, There is a strength in being authentic and, there isn't necessarily weakness in being disingenuous, but it is a challenge that we've, we've got to push through as individuals because it really is just about um, living your life and feeling your worth. You will find uh, support, um, whether that is, you know, the 519 is a wonderful place in the Church Wellesley Village. I mean, there's, there's everything from HIV testing to psychotherapy to, to community groups in non-COVID times. I mean, it's just such a wonderful resource for our community. Um, you know, you can Google psychotherapy online and you can find somebody who specializes in sexuality and whatnot. There, there's a variety of ways to seek help, um, but I, I would just encourage you to do so because every day that you don't, and you may have very legitimate reasons, but every day that you don't is one day less that you have. And I speak as somebody again, who um, will never be a young man again. Um, I still want to believe 41 is young, but (laughs) I'll, I'll never be a young, young man again, and I'll never have an opportunity to do this over again. And I, I would hope for you, um, if you're listening or watching, uh, that it is different for you if you're younger. Uh, take that step now, um, and the people who love you and are true to you will stay with you, and there is support, community support out there as well. 
Thanks for sharing so much of that um, and, and joining us today. Uh, the last bit of the podcast, we always open up the floor and uh, let our guests sort of push a message and talk about what they want to talk about. Um, in combination with that, one thing I want to ask you is, uh, how are you doing now? How, how are things going for you? And, and well, thank you for how asking. are you feeling? I'm, I'm well. Um, I have a wonderful partner, Xander, who I've been with for a little more than a year, and he has brought light to my life and helped me work through, uh, as we've discussed, a lot of things uh, that uh, you wouldn't necessarily see on the surface in day-to-day working relationships, even friendships. You know, our, our partners lift us up and, and, and help us confront the struggles and challenges that we, we have. I would say that there's still a long way to go. Um, it is not natural and easy for me to find joy in things. Um, so I wouldn't say that I'm depressed. I would just say that I've got a lot of rubble built up that I'm still trying to wade through to get back up and, and, and breathe clearly, uh, to use the analogy. And, and so sometimes, sometimes I can, um, Sometimes I can be, I don't want to say ornery, but I, I, I can be a little, nah, you know, I get, get a little uh, cynical. Um, you know, I, I think the social media world and just everything that's gone on in the world the last few years um, have, been, have been very trying. So hopefully that starts to calm a little bit with the uh, removal of a particular individual from a prime spot that shall remain unnamed. Um, and I, you know, so I, I think, I think I'm getting there. Uh, but you know, I hope to live, I, my four grandparents lived between 87 and 92. Uh, so if longevity is my friend, um, I've still got a little more than half my life left. And I fully anticipate that, uh, there'll be something about me that needs a slight tweak, uh, or improvement or change that I've got to work through here and there all the time. And, and, and so thank you for asking. I, I, I'm doing better, uh, but I know that the road is a long one or hopefully is a long one and, and uh, just continue to move along. Great message. And, and Scott, this whole, whole interview has been inspiring. Um, hard to hear in some spots. Uh, obviously we don't want anybody to go through some of the tough things that you've gone through. Um, and for those watching that are going through similar things, you know, uh, take, take heart in Scott's story, take heart in the message. Um, you will be okay. You can be okay. Um, and we really, really appreciate, uh, everything that you've shared with us today, Scott, and, uh, and the fact that you took so much time, uh, to go through it with us today. Uh, Dave, thank you. And I mean, Chris, I, I have to say, you know, your son Dylan does a great baseball podcast and I'm so proud of you for following in his footsteps. <laughs> Ouch. 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 I love it. All right. Well, Dylan's going to have to watch this podcast now and uh, he'll be chirping no, no, me for that it, one. I'm not getting invited back on after, uh, after we leave him You know he's like edited. That. He's editing that out. There's no Absolutely question in my not. mind. <laughs> oh, but thank you again. And we really, really appreciate uh, you taking the time. Thank you, guys. Uh, please ask anytime. I'm happy to come back on. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Scott, Scott MacArthur. Thank you very much. Well, Dave, uh, obviously, we're very thankful for Scott uh, coming on. Obviously, you got a chance to see his story at the beginning of this podcast, and you got a chance to hear um, some more details, uh, obviously, directly from Scott. Uh, just uh, some final thoughts, Dave. What uh, did you get out of that? Well, it was an incredible story and a, a very difficult story. Uh, as you said to Scott, it was sometimes uh, hard to hear, but... Uh, he didn't mind telling us and, and sharing, and we certainly appreciate that. It was just, a, I think it was a, a great listen. I agree. I agree. And whether it's a story similar to Scott's where he obviously uh, came out as gay um, or whether it's something else to do with mental health, um, make sure you understand. And, and, and I think the big message from Scott today is, you know, it's okay to not be okay, essentially, as we said in the beginning of the podcast. And, you know, there are supports out there. There are, they've been flashing across your screen throughout the podcast. Uh, hashtag Bell Let's Talk is one of them. You'll get the chance to, to 
read those stories on Twitter, on, on Instagram, on Facebook. And of course, every time you use that hashtag, a little money goes towards mental health awareness. And, uh, um, you know, we'll be no different. We'll be sharing as well all day long on, on Bell Let's Talk Day. And, um, you know, again, I think I think the big lesson that came out of out of Scott's interview today is simply that you you will be okay but be true to yourself share your story um and don't hide behind anything right yep it was uh he hit a lot of different nerves there and and in a good way um and he was just a, a terrific guest to have a terrific interview and his message was uh you know it just it gets in your heart a little bit it sure does. It sure does. And with that, um, obviously, it's been a longer podcast, which is great. We thank Scott MacArthur uh, for coming on and doing that. And as he said, at Scotty Mac thinks on Twitter. Again, that's the at symbol Scotty Mac thinks on Twitter. If you're going through anything, he's open to receiving uh, direct messages. So um, certainly reach out. He can help you with some resources or even just be an ear. Um, for for Dave Tanner, for Scott MacArthur, um, everything will be okay. Uh, we thank you for joining us. We thank you for listening to this podcast or watching it on Facebook and YouTube, and we will see you again next week.